Many people around the league are a bit down on the New Orleans Pelicans, and with the team basically running back, it's easy to see why. But there's a lot of reasons why the Pelicans are going to be much improved from last season, and I'll break it all down how and why in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Thursday. Don't forget, live show at 7 p.m. Central tonight. We're going to probably talk a little bit about Valley Sports and what the Utah Jazz are doing, and I'll clear up some... Things that I found aren't exactly correct about all of that so that you can understand why the Pelicans aren't doing that a little bit more for you. We'll cover that yet again. And of course, we are the Lockdown Pelicans podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, the number one Pelicans podcast here. We are Monday through Friday, five days a week for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team we got a lot to cover in today's show about why the Pelicans are going to be better than people around the league seem to think. Why why they're going to maybe be better than what Vegas thinks too. Because it's easy to see why people are down on this team. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. If you want to support the channel, become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday. And if you're an everyday or let me know in the comments down below. So... People don't seem too hyped or excited about this Pelicans team. You know, you look at that ESPN Insiders survey that we had yesterday. No mention of the Pelicans anywhere in that. We'll get the NBA GM survey coming out soon. And I don't think the Pelicans are going to be thought of that highly around that survey either. It's a, it feels a little bit disappointing because, right, we know this team. I know this team. You do as well. There's a lot of talent here. There's reasons to think they're going to be very good. Why isn't anyone else seeing this? Why aren't outsiders seeing this? And is that, you know, almost a cause for concern then? Are we missing something by being too close? Sorry, by by being too close to it all. I don't think so, but it's easy to see why. You know, there's, if you're kind of like external to this team, you know, there's no reason to buy into them just yet. This is one of those teams, one of those situations that does look good on paper, but then right after you say that, you immediately say games aren't won on paper. You know, hope is not a plan, which is something David Griffin said at an event here in New Orleans recently. It goes back a couple of years ago to when Dell Demps was the GM and Fletcher Mackle of WDSU. I'm going to see him later this week, actually, and be on WDSU talking pals as we head towards media day. They, you know, hope isn't a plan because you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, right? It's like the, the definition of insanity that everyone puts out there. And that's, I think to a lot of external people, what this team is doing, right? You still have Zion, you still have Brandon Ingram, you still have CJ. They get injured. They get injured. Zion has had one healthy season, and he's also had a season where he didn't play at all. He played 29 games last year on a hamstring injury that was supposed to be four to six weeks, four to eight weeks, and it ended up being the entirety of the season. Brandon Ingram missed 29 straight games with a toe injury. 
CJ was hurt most of the year trying to play through it, finished with good numbers, but you could see him struggle at times. You know, if those guys aren't playing 100% and out there, you're not going to win very many games. And we've been through this song and dance before. It's also why people are reluctant at times to buy tickets to emotionally invest in the team. This goes to something with Matt Moscona of ESPN Radio up in Baton Rouge and his show's broadcast down here on ESPN 100.3. You know, he'll always bring me on towards the beginning of every year and he asks me the same question like, is this the year that I should buy into the team? Is this the year that I, like, I should get emotionally invested into the team? Because, and I tell him yes, every single year. It's like a running joke at this point. And, you know, he starts to, and then they let him down like every time, every year, other than that Phoenix Suns playoff play-in tournament run year. They fall flat on their face with so much promise and potential. They didn't even make the actual playoffs this year. You know, they, they lost in the first game of the play-in tournament while they were at home. Like that's falling on your face. You know, two years ago, falling on your face, Zion's rookie year with the bubble where the NBA put in like rules to basically get the Pelicans in and Zion into the postseason and they fell on their face in the bubble. This is a thing that they do and it's usually due to injuries. So I get why people look at this team and go like, yeah, no. If you look at the FanDuel over under for them, it's 44 and a half wins. That's a winning season, but it feels like they should be better than that. And that number feels a little bit low at times. And I've seen that number lower elsewhere, too. So I get why people think that. And that's kind of going to be reflective in how people think about the Pelicans, you know, and everything. It's basically just a prove it year. Show me. Show me. And this is why I've said it's that. It's also why I've said this is kind of a critical make or break year for the Pelicans, too. So I understand it. But here's the thing. They're not actually running it back. There are a lot of behind-the-scenes changes that are happening that I think are important. We can start with the player performance and care team, as reported by Christian Clark of the uh, of NOLA.com, saying, you know, you have guys like Aaron Nelson out. That was a big deal. They spent a lot of money to bring him in to kind of revamp that when David Griffin took over. And for whatever reason, it wasn't working. I have heard from people around the league and from people internally, they wonder if some of Aaron Nelson's practices, the way he kind of, his approach to things were a little outdated and maybe he wasn't what he once was or things have just kind of changed and evolved and he didn't do that with the times. You know, we've also seen that Zion doesn't seem to trust him for whatever reason trust the way that those things were handled. So no matter what, things with the medical staff, we're using that as a catch-all phrase here, wasn't working. They've attempted to change that. To what degree, we don't know. How are things going to be different? We don't know that either. But at least they're doing that. You know, it's one thing to say that the, the med staff, the player performance and care team was just getting it wrong. You know, they weren't doing a good job of getting guys back out there on the court. I don't know if it was that or not. I think you could probably say Aaron Nelson's approach is fine. I'm not a doctor, so I don't really know and I'm not qualified to say. The bigger issue was the players weren't getting along with him. Even if he's correct and right and actually has, you know, the proper scientific medical approach or whatever. And again, who knows? You need the players to get along well with him, to have the right kind of buy-in with him and the trust with him. If they don't have that, you have to make a change. How is that impacting Zion's rehab? And a lot of that's on Zion too. And we'll get into that here in a second. 
but you're making these changes behind the scenes that show it's not actually being run back, even if it just at a surface level, which is what national media and others are really looking at and not looking at it kind of on a deeper dive like we're doing here. That's why you listen to this show for Pelicans News over going to like Locked On NBA for only Pelicans News. I'm on there once a week doing what I can to talk about the team properly, and I love all of the other hosts, but they all cover other teams, and we give our opinions as experts on stuff around the league, but they're not as much of an expert on the Pelicans as I am, as maybe even you are, and that's why you come here so you kind of see this, but national media, as they're talking about the team, they're not looking at it through this lens, and I think this lens is a massively important thing. You also have Zion somehow seemingly taking more accountability than he really ever has before. He's been with the team facility more than he has in any other offseason. You know, he's made some changes to people kind of in his orbit, his camp. I've heard some rumors about that, specifically and what some of those changes are, whose advice he's taking, whose he's not. We're not going to go into that as I haven't kind of like established exactly what's factual there or not, but that all sounds good. And if those changes are happening, that's not everything being the status quo. The players are being run back, but the circumstances, the situation around them are different. There's new coaching uh, assistants here, too. Look, we all like Teresa Witherspoon, but there had been some grumblings under the surface that maybe she wasn't just the best coach. Maybe can connect with players. That's great. But do you need more than that? Do you need other sorts of like acumen when it comes to that? Maybe they found her lacking, so they, they shook it up. I like that. If it wasn't working for you before, you need to change it going forward. A big part of that is the offense in them bringing in James Borrego. I want to talk about that because that's probably going to be the single biggest difference other than health, which if they're making these changes, in theory, the health should get better, but the offense needed to get better too. Let's look at that. And that's a reason why you should get really excited about this team because little changes will go a long way with this squad. I have the numbers to back it up. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by DoorDash. Do you love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door? With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings conveniently. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers, too. And with thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. Do you have a preference? Do you like Rouse's? Do you like Robert's? Do you like Conseco's? Any of those. Winn-Dixie. They have all of those options out there. And you're going to get exactly what you ordered, or they're going to make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. And if you want even more value, you can save all your grocery and restaurant favorites. Uh, save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on eligible uh, orders with a DoorDash membership. So with easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get a f- get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Limited time offer terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, no delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, coming to y'all like you want, covering the topics that you want to hear. This was a question a number of you said, what's different this year? What's different? 
Well, let's explain what's different and why you should be excited for the Pelicans this year. And then I think they're kind of going to be flying a little bit under the radar and better than what a lot of people think, because it seems like at least in theory on the surface, They've made a significant number of changes. This team is not just running it back, even if the players are largely the same. And if you want to get more insight, including some of the things I've heard about Zion and others, join the Locked On Pelicans Insiders group. The link is down below. The Locked On Pelicans Insiders subtext. You can text me now. I send you updates right to your phone as if I were texting you. It's awesome. It's super easy. There's a 14-day free trial with Media Day coming up. I have some exclusive access at Media Day that I'm excited for y'all here that you're going to be able to see firsthand on the subtext before it comes here on the show. So if you want to keep up with everything going on at Media Day for the Pelicans, make sure you're subscribed to that. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Pelicans and become an everydayer. We are here Monday through Friday. No one else comes to y'all like this. So become an everydayer and listen Monday through Friday. So let's keep talking about why the Pelicans are going to be better than you might be thinking and why others, external people, are thinking. We went over some of the injuries and all of that and how they are changing things up, that they're not really running it back. One of the areas that needs most improvement that they significantly invested in, I think, at least in terms of personnel, is the offense. The offense was not good last year. It finished ranked, I think, 20, 20th in the league, according to NBA.com. And they were good until Zion went hurt, got hurt. They were sixth best. And then after that, they finished 25th. The offense needs some restructuring, needs a complete revamping. And that's what they're doing by hiring James Borrego, former head coach of the Charlotte Hornets, former assistant, head, uh, former assistant coach to the New Orleans Hornets, too, to come in and kind of revamp the offense. This is a big deal. And I was initially a little skeptical that he would be able to do this. His offenses in Charlotte didn't have some of the best offensive ratings or anything like that while he was there. But as you kind of dive in more to his career, learn more about him, talk to people associated with him and around that Charlotte team, there is a lot to like. I don't think it's going to be a full-on like catch-all fix, right? You bring in Mike D'Antoni, who's been a coaching advisor, but not an on-the-bench guy, you know, isn't there at practice on a daily basis to install his kind of revolutionary offenses and things like that. You're not getting that. Can you put in, though, a couple of core concepts and things like that, that not necessarily supercharge the offense, but just make it better? And I definitely think you can do that. And minor improvements will go a long way. The Pelicans had a 113.8 offensive rating. That's what we use to look at offense, not points per game. We look at offensive rating, which is points scored per 100 possessions. This equalize it, equalizes this for all teams in the league. Some teams play fast. They get out in transition and run a lot, and therefore they get more possessions. Or they, use, uh, they, they don't use the whole shot clock. They just rip shots off very, very quickly. You're going to get more possessions. More possessions gives you more chances to score. Often teams with a high pace, which is what that is, possessions per game have higher points per game it doesn't mean those are good offenses though so you need to kind of equalize this for the different styles of play and you do that by looking at points per 100 possessions 113.8 points per 100 possessions for the pelicans 20th in the league but here's the thing three more points per game just three more points per game so one made three and we'll talk about that more in the next segment when we look at players and their growth 
jumps their offensive rating from 113.8 to 117.89. That would put them second in the league with one more made three per game. You can not only go from 20th, but to second in terms of offense. Now, it's not as simplistic as I made it seem right there. In theory, that comes at the expense of a two-pointer. You know, if you're only taking the same amount of shots per game, I don't know if they're actively going to be trying to really ramp up the pace to get more shots. But if you change one two-pointer to a three-pointer because of just better shot selection overall, or you change three twos to three threes, and the Pelicans were near dead last in terms of three-point attempts per game, and I've explained that a lot of that has to do with Zion not being a three-point shooter and Brandon Ingram loving the mid-range shot, you know, you're just slightly better shot selection from other players not named Zion. This team's never going to be top 10 in terms of three-point attempts per game because Zion uses so many possessions, so it's just not going to work that way. But if you change a couple of things or one guy gets a little bit better and makes more threes, your offense, you know, you get the same result. And that's something that's going to be a really big deal. But more than that, when you look at this team, they were solid in a lot of areas, but one area they struggled was turnovers. They were 20th in the league in terms of turnover percentage. They turned the ball over about 13% of their offensive possessions. If that number comes down, the offensive rating is going to go up. You're going to make more shots. You're going to have fewer empty possessions like that. And that's a very big thing for New Orleans. And when you look at how they played with a very isolation-heavy style of offense, you know, Zion was trying to take on three, four, five defenders, it seems like, at times. Brandon Ingram, when he was out there by himself without Zion Williamson, taking on three, four defenders at times. That's just not effective offense. CJ instead of being more of an off-ball guy, was being used on-ball as a creator, and that's just not his skill set, and he turned the ball over because of that. Well, if you involve Zion a little bit more as kind of the the fulcrum of the offense, if you get the ball in B.I.'s hands, C.J. off-ball a little bit more, and then use off-ball movement, and Borrego is bringing in a motion-based offense, so more ball screens, more off-ball movements, cuts, things like that, You do create more space. More space means fewer bodies in the way and less of a chance to turn the ball over. So all of that should help the Pelicans lower those turnovers and manufacture more quality looks, which thus improves the offensive rating. You know, they can be fine as long as everyone's healthy. They don't need to change anything. They had the sixth best offensive rating until Zion got hurt. It wasn't pretty at times, but Zion is so good So good that he almost like brute forces his way to this team having a good offense. All right, that's fine by me. But if you can make it even more efficient and make him have to work less hard, one, does that mean he's going to stay healthier because his body's taking less of a beating? And two, it's going to make the offense better than two, just a little bit easier. And you start to see how these things feed on themselves a little bit. And one problem starts to fix another problem, which starts to fix another problem. And all of a sudden, everything's firing on all cylinders like that. CJ McCollum, by the way, had the most turnovers per game for his career last season, second most after his third year in the league. Tells you something right there. So they can fix a lot of this. Their half-court offense was one of the worst in the league last season, 20th as well. If they can get a little bit better in the half-court, 
they should be okay. And this offense is going to start to soar and you won't have those games, those, those series, things like that, where it feels like a slog, where it's like they just can't get a bucket, which means they're turning the ball over. This is how it all works one to the other. You turn the ball over, your opponent now has a fast break. Fast break score at a higher points per possession than almost any other type of play. So not only are you getting zero points, you're essentially gifting the opponent two points. Zero-sum game kind of thing right there. So one thing feeds off the other. We always hear how good defense leads to easy offense. Absolutely. But the flip side of that's true. Crap offense leads to even worse defense because you're giving up transition opportunities. That's something I was saying a lot this past year if you're an everydayer of the show. So bringing in Borrego to kind of revamp the offense, just slightly improve it, is going to go a long way for this team being much better offensively and not going minutes or stretches where they just can't get a bucket, which is thus going to make them better in crunch and clutch times. Something that's also worth noting that I haven't done the deepest dive on, but the initial numbers I've looked at look very promising is Borrego's offenses in Charlotte had one of the better rates of scoring after timeouts. ATO plays is what they're calling uh, is what they're called after timeouts. You know, you call that timeout, you drop a play, you go out, can you get a bucket? The Pelicans struggled with that, didn't they? Really struggled that, with that under Willie Green. Bringing a coach that helps you with that, I don't know. That's going to help you win games late in game situations. Or when you just need a bucket, do you have a go-to play? Does it work? They're going to have some more of those, I think, this year. Even getting one of those buckets as opposed to, I don't know, turning the ball over before you can inbound it on a five-second call seems like a big deal to me. So I am very optimistic, even if a little bit skeptical at times, about what James Borrego is going to be able to bring to this team and some of the other core concepts, which, again, if you're an everydayer, we've talked a lot about how they should use Jonas Valanciunas in a much more efficient way. And I think you'll see him kind of have a career year. We talked about this last week or the week before. So there's a lot to like about what could happen from the Pelicans this coming season. In terms of just that, which did anything I say there sound that far-fetched? No. But people aren't looking at that. That's not an outsider perspective. That's an insider perspective here. And that's why you come to Locked On Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So coming up next, we haven't even talked really about players and their growth and those sorts of things. Let's talk about that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about the Pels here as we gear up for media day. I'm going to have a station set up on media day, interviewing some of the players, getting them kind of exclusively here on the show. So if you've got questions you want me to ask the players, whether they're fun questions, I want to have a little bit of fun with these guys, serious questions, let me know in the comments down below or better yet, join the Locked On Pelicans insiders group, the subtext. Send me your questions you want for the specific players. Maybe they'll get used. I'll give you a shout out if that's the case because you can message me directly. 14-day free trials, $4.99 a month after that. Sign up. If you don't like it, that's cool. Show's still going to be here for you. We'll have a live show later tonight. Talk a little bit about Bally Sports and what the Utah Jazz are doing. I think there's some like misconceptions. That was the word I was looking for earlier and couldn't think of when it comes to all of that. So I'm going to break that all down for you. I know that's something that really, really matters to y'all. So make sure you join the live show Thursday at 7 p.m. Central. Okay, so we just went over the offense. James Brago improving that. We know the defense will be good because it's been good. Well, what about the players now? 
What about the guys on the team and what they're going to be capable of doing? We said little changes for this team because there's enough talent here and there's a lot of really good basic stuff already in play is going to go a long way, even with the Trey Murphy injury. So if you use guys properly, CJ properly, which again, he's good and put up good numbers last year. If you use him correctly, you can make up the lack of shooting for without having Trey Murphy. Absolutely. CJ shot 39% on seven attempts per game. Can we get him closer to 10 attempts per game? He's going to be shooting, making close to four threes per game then. That's a very, very good number. I think they could. Let him put the ball on the court less, stop turning the ball over as much, and kind of be a catch-and-shoot guy that moves well off ball. That fits into the offense. That will make up for some of that. That'll make his life a little bit easier and just kind of let him be his like the natural best version of him. It will also add more passing and ball movement into the squad, which is something that they want to do as well and is a hallmark of Borrego's offenses in Charlotte. But what about some of the other guys taking steps forward? We talked about Herb Jones, just got his new contract, shot 33.5% last season has not been a good three-point shooter his career but if you look at the final 20 games or so of the season for him he was good he was flat out good from three on not big attempts per game the final 30 games he shot 39 percent that is a far cry from 33 percent 2.3 attempts per game but if he maintains that consistent shooting and you up that to say four, five, six attempts per game, that's that three-pointer you're looking for that you weren't getting earlier that jumps your offense from 20th to second. Again, it's a little bit simplified on all of that, but it's not incorrect on some of that. The final, was it 10 games or so? What did he shoot? Final 12 games here, that's what I picked up. 55.6% from three. 2.3 attempts per game, but shooting over 50%. Raise that volume up slightly. You know, and if he's hitting that and, it, you know, we did the cliches players are going to say at media day, you know, the one from him is going to be like, I was in the gym all summer working on my shot and he doesn't take vacations other than going fishing on occasion. He's definitely going to have been in the gym working on his shot all summer. That wasn't a, a stretch there to say, I think, when it comes to everything. So if you get that natural progression from him, especially with him still going to be a starter with the Trey Murphy injury, because that's not a question anymore. How does that impact the offense? Do teams need to guard him then, or are they simply just going to get burned when you kick it out to him because Zion's a willing passer and so is Brandon Ingram? All of those things make me excited about this team. But outsiders, national media, others aren't looking that deeply at the stats and looking at the form and other things that we do here. Not just me, but other local media too. You know, what about a guy like Dyson Daniels who showed he can be a terror defensively? Can you use him as a disruptor at times on defense to get you more easy transition buckets where you score at a higher rate than you do in the half court? I think the answer to that could be very much yes. If there's anything he can do, it is certainly going to be play defense, even if the offense is still a work in progress. So can you start Herb? Can you put Dyson in there? Can he run your offense a little bit too? You know, and that's not even factoring in a guy like Jordan Hawkins, who seems tailor-made for this James Borrego motion offense. So as these guys grow, I do think you can get a pretty good offense going, which is really what the problem for the Pelicans was this past season. So 
when someone says like, why should I buy into this team? Why are they better than they were last year when it's the same players? There are a whole lot of changes coupled with just, yeah, they should be a little bit better because players grow and work and things like that. And if you get the health because you made the changes there, this team is going to be competing for a top four spot in the West. I don't think they're going to finish with like the one seed, certainly, but are they going to be at least in the running for a four seed, even if they don't ultimately get it? Yeah, I think they could get home court in the first round pretty easily. Let me know what you think. Do you think those changes are enough to improve the outlook of the Pelicans this season? Do you think they need to make bigger moves when it comes to players, especially the injury to Trey Murphy? Let me know in the comments down below or on the Lockdown Pelicans Insiders group on subtext. But I'm looking forward to the live show tomorrow. Then we go right into media day. We'll have a media day primer for y'all on Monday. That'll be that. The live show is the Friday show. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week, along with a live show, we're going to have a whole lot of media day coverage, other things like that, interviews. I can't wait. I hope you're excited too. Then we get right into the open practice. I'll be there. So if you're going to be at the open practice and want to say hi, let me know. I'm looking forward to doing this all with you this season as it's about to get going. So thanks for making a Locked On Pelicans part of your day here. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll see you all tomorrow.